It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome into the happiest week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast in quite some time. Gabe DeArmond and Mitchell Forty here, and everything looks different than it did a week ago now. That's right. Not just because basketball season has started the uh, big win for the football team. Big win. We will talk plenty about that. Break everything down. Uh, Missouri and Vanderbilt coming up. Basketball season underway with a completely nondescript game against uh, Central Arkansas. Central Arkansas. That's, yep. Yeah, that's how nondescript it was. <laughs> I forgot who they played. It was like 24 hours ago. Uh, Iowa State coming up. We will preview the Vanderbilt Commodore football team, the Iowa State basketball team. Talk about those matchups. But first, we are going to tell you about Mark Skid, the new underwear company run by one of you guys, a Mizzou fan, with a call to action of make your mark on the world. Mark Skid believes that all brands, not just underwear, but especially underwear, should have the same quality as the people we admire in life, a sense of humor, a strong character, and a purposeful life. Made with luxurious organic Pima cotton and one upcycled water bottle in each waistband, you will have $4 donated on your behalf to one of their four-star charities with the purchase of every pair at markskid.com, M-A-R-C-S-K-I-D.com. One pair of underwear can provide safe drinking water for up to seven years for a person, feed a child in the developing world for 12 days, or vaccinate two children. So make your mark on the world at markskid.com. Use the checkout code POWERMAZOO for 15% off your first order and free shipping in the United States. Missouri and Vanderbilt, 11 a.m. on Saturday. It's going to be like 30 degrees. It's going to be gray. The stands are going to be packed. It is going to be an electric atmosphere at Faroe Field. And we're going to talk to Chris Lee of VandySports.com about the Commodores. Covers Vanderbilt for the Rivals.com network. Chris, what's going on, man? Or at least something along those lines, right, Gabe? Yeah, I mean, the first two were accurate. It's going to be 30 degrees, and it's going to be incredibly gray. Um, Right. The rest of that might have been a little bit um, hyperbolic on my part. So before we get into this actual game, I mean, a week ago, Mitchell and I thought, okay, coaching search might be coming up here. What about you? What about Nashville? I mean, Derek Mason, he's, he's, you know, four and five, but – They've got Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee. Like they're all theoretically winnable games. What what's Derek Mason's future? Hard to say because they're waiting on an AD. They're waiting to get an AD. Uh, I don't know where they are at this point in the process today. Uh, Derek is under contract for three more years, and I, I think Vanderbilt to school doesn't like to get rid of coaches. But on the other hand. If you're going to hire a legit AD, usually those guys want their guys. And let's say that they only win one more game this year. Well, they're five wins or, you know, could be worse, could be four wins. And the attendance has really started to bottom out. Fans are not excited about the direction of the program. That would be five losing years in five seasons for Derek Mason. I think it would make sense to make a change at that point. Uh, but I just don't know where this AD search is going to go. And I think that really determines everything and, and maybe the timing of when they get one, too. They're supposed to have somebody by mid-December, but, you know, until you have one, you don't have one. 
Chris, uh, obviously, as Gabe mentioned, you know, Mizzou is coming off of a, a very big win, their biggest uh, since probably at least the 2014 season in beating Florida on the road. Uh, you know, there is potential for, for a letdown, obviously, but the one thing about, about Vanderbilt that does make this matchup, you know, at least a little bit interesting is Vanderbilt probably has the best quarterback Missouri's going to face the rest of the season in, in Kyle Shermer, at least in the regular season. D- does he have enough weapons, you think, you know, to, to test Missouri's secondary in the passing game? Well, he doesn't have weapons like Missouri's got, the number of them at least. But he's got some good ones. Uh, They've got a tight end uh, who's about as good as any of them in the SEC other than the one that you cover and maybe Irv Smith at Alabama. And Jared Pinckney, who's who's a really, really good downfield threat, a little bit up and down, but he's 6'4", 255, and can break some long plays. They've got Kalijah Lipscomb. I think is the SEC's second or third leading receiver. He's been a very productive player for them. Uh, he's, he's very much a quality receiver. And I think the big difference is they've got Keyshawn Vaughn back. Uh, he's a big-time running back. I think he's about as good as there is in this league, other, other than maybe Alabama. Oh, well, not maybe, but <laughs> other than probably Alabama, I think he's about as talented as anybody's got, uh, which Florida was finding out when he – took eight touches for 131 yards in about 17 minutes of action. He played against Arkansas. He got 26 carries, and that was really an offense changer for them. They got 45 points, and granted, Arkansas's defense isn't very good. But those three guys can really make a lot of big plays for them. So do they have the number of guys that Missouri has? No, but they've got three guys who have made a lot of plays. Chris, when I look at Vandy, like – they, they look like a team that, that, frankly, a little bit like Missouri was a, about a week ago. I mean, they've got five losses, but it's five points to Notre Dame, ten points to Florida in a game that, that they dominated in the first half, seven points to Kentucky, got blown out by Georgia, got blown out by South Carolina. Like, they don't have a bad loss, but they also don't have a good win. I, I mean, do you have a feel for how good this team is? I think that by Vanderbilt standards, it's more talented than most teams. Now, I don't think their defense is any good at all. They've got a couple of players over there and, and not much. Uh, and Missouri's a lot more talented, I think, on that side of the ball than Vanderbilt is. But they've got, they've got some guys, and I don't throw this around lightly, but they've got six, seven, maybe eight guys on the offense that could play in the NFL and make a roster. And I don't know that any of them are top three-round draft picks, but – They've got one of the best guards in the conference in Bruno Reagan. They've got a left tackle uh, who almost never gives up the sack in Justin School. They've got the guys I've talked about already. I mean, by Vanderbilt standard, that's pretty good. Their offense is underachieved. I don't understand the way they call games. The way Derek seems to operate is they're very conservative. They run more two tight end sets than anybody, and they just pack everybody along the line of scrimmage. And sometimes you, you, you watch them and the way they call plays, and it's like they think they're 1986 Alabama, which they're not. But it's funny as the seasons progress and, and there starts to be hot seat talk, that the offense mysteriously opens up more, which it did against Arkansas. And so I don't know exactly how to answer that question. I think if they call games aggressively like they did against Arkansas, use motion and use Vaughn more, then – they start to look like they're a pretty respectable offense. And on defense, if they're more aggressive, they can get after the passer. They can create enough turnovers to stay in a ball game. Now, they, they just can't beat people hat for hat on defense. And so 
it's really those two things. It's how aggressively do they call games on both sides of the ball? Because if they can generate some turnovers and push the envelope on offense, they can compete with with at least some good teams for a while, which is, you know, they, they certainly did it against Notre Dame. So I, that's a long way to answer your question, but I just think so much depends on what kind of game they call. You, you touched on this a little bit just, just there in that answer, but I kind of to expand on it, you know, I, as I was – writing our uh, our weekly preview for this game I I kind of got the sense that you know maybe Vanderbilt's best chance is to just try to you know spread it out open up the offense and, and try to win a track meet just because like you said their defense hasn't really stopped anybody this season do, do you get the sense that that that's maybe a, a, a something that you know the, the best strategy for them and you know if that is the case I mean that's that's kind of what Missouri does too so it it could somewhat play into Vanderbilt's hands I would say that nine times out of ten, that's kind of the game that they'd want to play. The problem is they're up against maybe the one team on their schedule that that you probably want to do that less against than anybody because, Mm -hmm. like you said, it may sort of play in Missouri's hands. I think they might be able to get away with it against Ole Miss next week because Ole Miss's defense is just garbage. (laughs) Uh, But Missouri has got enough guys. I mean, if it turns into a track meet, I don't know that Vanderbilt's going to much stop Missouri and so if you get just a few stops it might be enough and that's really the problem I think that's kind of the way they need to play I think that's the way that Kyle Shermer feels the most comfortable playing but they just never do it and I think you may run a risk against that particular team yeah I'm uh I'm trying to find like more interesting angles to this game but it really I look at this and and think yeah it could Vanderbilt, I think Vanderbilt's the best team Missouri plays the rest of the season. Um, so on the right day, Vanderbilt can come in here and win. But I don't know, Chris. I, I thought it before. Now I really think it. Like Drew Locke should throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns in this game, shouldn't he? Yeah, I, I think he will. I think teams can really run on them very well. They just don't have the athletes up front to stop people. And you just go into games sometimes thinking – well, that's what teams are going to do and because it works. But then you see a couple teams, and Georgia did this to them, and South Carolina did too, where you thought, well, they're better off keeping the ball on the ground. But both those teams found matchups that they really liked and exploited and really beat them deep down the field, and they're really weak at that nickel spot. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see a scenario in which they really hold Drew Locke down in terms of, of passing yards. I think 404 TDs is – is probably pretty close to accurate. But, again, if, if it becomes one of these games where it's a scoring match and you can get a couple turnovers in the right spot, then I think that's their chance. Well, the, you know, the, the one thing that, you know, in my mind uh, does maybe give Vanderbilt a little bit of a, a chance and edge is, you know, if Missouri comes out flat and uh, maybe spots them like 10 points, 14 early points or something like that. And then the other thing is uh, Albert Okwebunam, I think I said his name right at this point. We've only been covering him for two years, uh, is, is uh, week to week, and, and we've heard maybe unlikely to play this week. Uh, does does Vanderbilt have the, you know, I, I know we've said their defense is not particularly good. Do they have someone who can maybe, or two players who can maybe, you know, take away a, a guy like Emmanuel Hall? Because if they can do that, Missouri doesn't really have, have a very proven underneath slash you know middle of the field type threat if, if Albert Okuebunam can't play. That's that's a good question um, because they've got Juwan Williams who's a pretty good corner. He's not an elite athlete, but he's a big kid. He's about six three, two oh five, and he's probably going to play in the NFL. 
he's the best they've got. Teams have really picked on their nickel spot. So if if Missouri has fewer weapons, then that sort of, I guess, brings the matchup down to size a little bit more for them. I, I When I've seen them, I thought that they had some complimentary receivers that were, were fairly good players. Uh, now, I see them in spots. You guys see the whole season. Um, and, and so you may be able to draw a better conclusion than that. I, I was sort of under the assumption that they had enough guys that they could attack Vanderbilt at some other spots because – uh, Donovan Sheffield's been been okay for them at the other corner, but he got hurt against Arkansas and missed part of that game. I don't know what his status is, so that may be, be a big thing too. Is if Sheffield can't go or if he's limited, uh, that starts to tilt that back. Not that it's not in Missouri's favor already, but that certainly becomes a more advantageous matchup for Missouri. Yeah, I think your take is right. Missouri has enough other guys when Emmanuel Hall is on the field, exactly. which he which he will be this weekend mm-hmm. at, unless something happens the next couple of days in practice. So I want to switch gears. The last couple of minutes, um, SEC basketball started last night. Vanderbilt beat somebody terrible by a lot of points. Uh, that's the extent <laughs> of my knowledge. But uh, the the – all conference teams, the picks came out before the season about a week ago, and I saw Vandy was picked eighth, and I know the SEC is really good, but that was the one team that jumped out to me, and I said, I think they can be a lot better than that. Um, a, when when elite freshmen come into places like Kentucky and Florida, they get all the credit in the world, and Vanderbilt has two absolutely elite freshmen, and I think people are sleeping on that team this year. I think any other year, Gabe, eighth would be ridiculous. I have spent a lot of hours scouring the rosters, looking at what teams have got returning from the year ago, looking at recruiting rankings. And the problem is I've never seen the SEC loaded like this. You've really got eight teams that, in my mind, are no doubt good enough to make the NCAA tournament. I think from nine down, uh, and we could debate whether that's Missouri or – or Texas A&M or Arkansas or whoever. And um, Missouri ain't nine without Jonte Porter. Well, I, probably not, but I'm not. I'm also not sure who is. Um, you know, I mean, it, Arkansas maybe, but outside of Gafford, they don't have a backcourt that's returning at all. So you, you kind of need guards to win these days. I mean, look, they're they're really talented. I saw them up close and personal last night. Simi Chatu and Darius Garland are every bit what they have been touted, but there's, there's a lot of, I think there are seven teams in the league that have got five-star recruits that eliminates Missouri because Porter's not playing Kentucky. Although they're, they're seven, five stars did not help them much last night. <laughs> it's still a talented team. I, I don't know. I, yeah, that's one of those things that gut level reaction. You're like, that doesn't look right. But then you start looking at other teams. And, and by the way, of, of those, eight teams in that pack, they're also the least experienced in terms of returning minutes. So I think that's got a factor because Tennessee showed you last year it's not always about talent, but it's about cohesiveness and having guys that are used to playing together. I don't know. I think what they got picked is about right. But here's the thing, Gabe. The SEC is going to be brutal this year. I mean, I, I don't know. 12 and 6 might win the league. You might have a thing where there's, there's a two-game difference between – second and, and eighth I just think it's going to be that tightly packed and a buzzer beater here or there can can move a team up a couple of notches I, I don't think that eighth was unfair 
I think what it is is it's very telling about the level of talent in the SEC. So what you're saying is the SEC is going to be the ACC coastal in football except with good teams. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe something along those lines, right. (laughs) All right, Chris. Well, appreciate the time, man. Uh, Saturday morning at 11, uh, we get going again. So thanks for joining us, and we'll catch up with you down the road. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Gabe. All right, Chris Lee, VandySports.com. And I I don't know – you know, Mitchell, my initial reaction coming off Florida was, this is the toughest game on Missouri's schedule. They better be ready. It's hard to get grounded. I think all that's true, but I just I can't really figure out a way that Missouri doesn't score 40 and win this game. Yeah, I mean, they're clearly the better team, and it, it's a you know a pretty good matchup because, I mean, like, these, like Drew Locke finally came through in the type of game, you know, everyone criticized him for for not being good in it against a really good team. This is the type of game where he has feasted. So, you know, playing a, an overmatched uh, overmatched defense, then, I didn't, you know, so. I mean, assuming, like, nothing weird happens and, and Mizzou doesn't turn the ball over on its first nine possessions or something like that, and I don't mean it has to be that drastic right. for Vandy to win, but assuming nothing weird happens, I think Mizzou should take care of business. It's Mizzou. Something weird always happens. But uh, <laughs> we'll talk basketball here in a minute. But first of all, I want to remind you, go to markskid.com, M-A-R-C-S-K-I-D.com. Enter checkout code POWERMIZZOU. Get 15% off your first order and make your mark on the world with Mark Skid underwear. All right, now we turn our attention to basketball. Missouri started the season last night. They beat Central Arkansas. Scottie Pippen does not play for them anymore. Corliss Williamson does not coach for them anymore. Um, I no longer remember anyone who does play or coach for them. I don't know about you, Mitchell. I remember their coach's name was Russ Pennell. I put that in my story. Excellent. Russ Pennell, the (laughs) Central Arkansas coach. Another team that um, nobody knows anything about, North Alabama, opened against Iowa State last night. The Tigers and Cyclones play Friday night in Ames. We're going to talk to Paul Clark of CycloneReport.com. Paul, what's going on, man? How's it going, fellas? Not too bad. Uh, appreciate you taking some time. So, North Alabama, um, really good team. Good good game of basketball last night? Well, for what it's worth, it was Alabama State. Uh, but, uh, but somebody played North Alabama last night. I think fairly interchangeable parts. I, I don't know, but no, no, Alabama State. Uh, I think they won eight games last year, and, and they'll probably win eight games this year. So uh, it was the kind of game, really, that you'd like to have for the the first night out. And, and Iowa State, you know, they they had some pretty good stretches. They also had some some lulls, if you will. And you know, at the by the end of the night, Iowa State was up by twenty six, and uh, you know, it was, it was a decent first night. Well, and I'm I'm sure that Alabama State aspires to be North Alabama. <laughs> yeah, that's, so that's disrespect, disrespectful to Alabama State. <laughs> um, you know, Paul, for for those of us who who you know have been focusing uh, mainly on football right now and are, are kind of jumping into basketball season, just just give us a uh, a little bit of a rundown of of what the makeup of this Iowa State team is, what its uh, strengths and and likely weaknesses are. Well, Mitchell, I, that's that's really a work in progress. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I think Iowa State is a team that, that even those of us that are covering the Cyclones don't know a whole lot about as of yet. Uh, th- there's a lot of talent. Uh, I think uh, head coach Steve Prohm has a lot of pieces to work with, uh, but he might spend most of November and December, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to how to put those pieces together uh, and and you know make the best team possible to, to put out on the floor. You know, Iowa State has some some returning veterans. They've got a senior guard in in Nick Weiler Babb, uh, who's who's steady. He's consistent. 
They've got a couple of guys that sat out last year as transfers. So they're in their first year for Iowa State, but they're veteran players. Uh, Mariel Shayok, who transferred from Virginia, and Michael Jacobson, who transferred from Nebraska, uh, senior and junior respectively. And those two were were Iowa State's top scorers last night. Uh, Jacobson was 17 and uh, Shayok was 14. So they're definitely expecting contributions from them. then you've got a, a really talented freshman class uh, that's come in. Iowa State has four very good true freshmen. They all played last night. Uh, they all showed some some positive things. So I think it'll be a question of, of how those newcomers all can fit in and, and kind of be integrated. Uh, but but there's so there's there's a nice mix between experience and newcomers. There's plenty of talent. How does it all fit together? I think that's a big question. Uh, last night we found out. Cam, Cameron Lard, Zoran Talley suspended for Iowa State for the first seven games of the season. Are those guys that are impact players? I mean, does that is that a uh, something that's a problem for Iowa State, or are they relatively easily replaceable for this team? No, they're definitely impact players, and Iowa State's going to miss them for the for the rest of November, in, including Friday night against Missouri. Now, Lard didn't play last year uh, when Iowa State came down to Columbia. Uh, Zoran Talley played. He had 11 points, played 26 minutes in that game. They're both frontline players. And then Iowa State also has another frontline player, Solomon Young. He's out uh, due to an injury and and a surgery. So he's probably going to miss November and December. So it definitely impacts Iowa State on the front line. Uh, Lard and Talley were either going to be starters or, or first couple guys off the bench. No question about that. Uh, hopefully uh, they can get it together and, and come back in December and, and be contributing members of the team the rest of the way. But uh, there's no question that Iowa State will miss those guys. Interesting that you mentioned those guys being front court players. You know, in my mind, one of the ways to, to kind of beat Missouri, there probably are more than one, but uh, would be to, to get Jeremiah Tillman in foul trouble, which is something he obviously struggled with last season. You know, we saw last night he is – kind of their guy in the post they don't have a lot of depth behind him and, and when he's going well in the post it really uh it really opens things up for the shooters they have around him do, does Ohio State or does does Iowa State have a guy uh down low who, who you think could give uh give Tillman trouble down there well you know Jacobson who I talked about before he he's a he's not uh he's not going to jump out of the gym but he's a he's a skilled player uh, he does everything well and so he's the kind of guy with, with some good post moves that, that might be able to get an opposing big in trouble. Uh, Iowa State, they're not going to be a super strong rebounding team in, in terms of really uh, getting in there and mixing it up. So so I don't think Tillman's probably going to pick up too many fouls because it gets overly physical underneath. Uh, so I, I would favor Missouri in that matchup just because, you know, Tillman's a, a proven a known commodity and, and a proven quality in Iowa State is, is really fine in its way right now, certainly amongst their big guys. Uh, Jones Condit, who's one of the freshmen that I talked about uh, that played last night, he's 6'10", uh, but he's you know 215 dripping wet, uh, inexperienced, not that physical. So he might be able to come in and contribute a little bit, uh, but I would definitely give Missouri the edge up front. Talking with Paul Clark about Iowa State basketball. Uh, we'll talk about the football team in, here in a couple minutes just at the end. But uh, obviously, Paul, this is a team, an arena, a matchup Missouri fans are familiar with, even if it hasn't happened in a while. But for for those who may have come along recently and have uh, mostly known Missouri as an SEC team, uh, 
explain Hilton ma- magic and what makes that place so tough to play in for opposing teams. Even when Iowa State's not that good, it was just a game that you circled on the calendar and said, uh, this one's going to be tough. Yeah, that's the you know the origins of the the origins of the Hilton Magic uh, phrase, which was was coined by a newspaper writer. Go figure. That was really came back from the '80s when Iowa State under Johnny Orr started uh, to get some things going after after not doing much in basketball for for quite a long time, and it really just referred to you know Iowa State's ability to win some home games that, that it probably shouldn't have. It must be magic, right? Over time, it has just kind of evolved to. Uh, to refer to the overall atmosphere, I mean, it's it's a large and loud student section. They put the students on on the opposite ends of the court, and you know, with the exception of the Alabama states of the world, they they typically are going to fill that up, and and uh, the students really bring it at Iowa State games, and that sort of that gives the grown-ups permission to to also lose <laughs> a little bit. You know, the students have to lead the way, otherwise the the uh, the general public is going to be a little bit reserved. So once the students are acting crazy, uh, the, the the grown-ups can can let loose a little bit too. And it, it's it, pretty much every game will be sold out this year. Whether they all show or not it remains to be seen. But as far as tickets sold, pretty much every game will be a, a sellout. Uh, it's 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 not a small arena, but it's early 70s, and so it's. Uh, Fairly intimate, uh, you know, poured concrete, everything, uh, the, the sound vibrates a little bit. So uh, they've built up a, a good home court advantage there. The nice thing is Iowa State has, has developed enough as a program that they don't just win at home. Uh, they can also win on the road now as well. But uh, it, it's a good home court advantage, no doubt about it. Paul, you know, I admittedly have not watched a lot of Ohio or Iowa State since they uh, they played at Mizzou Arena to open last season. But when I think of the Cyclones program, you know, I kind of think of a team that likes to get up and down, that'll shoot a lot, that that, that wants to outscore opponents. Where Whereas I think Missouri this season is going to, if they're going to win games, it's probably going to be because it's pretty ugly and they're going to win with their defense. You know, if, if Missouri is successful in that regard and, and maybe muddying this one up a little bit, do, do you think Iowa State, uh, you know, will be okay do you think they have kind of the uh the pieces to respond or to that do they need this to be able to get up and down in this one well that's a that's a good question and it will be uh contrasting styles iowa state's not playing it at the same kind of pace it played during the the, the fred hoiberg years mm-hmm. uh, i mean you know if 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 that was uh if that was going 100 they're probably going 80 or 85 now uh, Steve Prohm still wants to play up tempo. He he still wants to get out. He doesn't want it to be a, a real half court grinder. Uh, that's that's not going to play to Iowa State's favor at all. That that has to favor Missouri if that's what uh, Missouri wants to do. So I don't think you're going to see Iowa State just get out and and just go 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 uh, the way they might have a few years ago under Hoiberg. But they certainly will want to to push the pace a little bit. Uh, you know, they're going to want to get 65, 70, 75 shots up before the game is over. So the, the team that can control that tempo a little bit uh, probably has has an advantage. Uh, if it's a little bit of a more of a half-court game and, and buddied up, like you say, probably favors Missouri. If Iowa State can get out and, and push that tempo just a little bit more than that, probably favors the Cyclones. Last thing for you on basketball, Paul, uh, just – I've seen a lot of projections that this is an NCAA tournament expectation season in Ames. Uh, 
Where does uh, where do you think the Cyclones fall in a Big Twelve that is always one of the better leagues in the country? We understand Kansas is going to win its fifteenth straight asterisk included Big Twelve title, uh, but after that, you know, uh, where do you think Iowa State kind of falls? Yeah, I'm afraid you're probably right about Kansas again, but I, I think in the Big Twelve, it, it's probably a, a seven bid league, seven out of ten. There, there's going to be, in, I, I think. There's going to be quite a drop-off, though, between 7 and 8. I, th- I think 8, 9, and 10, which is going to be Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor in, in some order, really at, on, a, on a much lower tier than everybody else. So I think Iowa State's probably going to be in that 5, 6, 7 group. Uh, going to kind of depend on, on who can steal a road game or two. Probably going to end up deciding that. You know, the Big 12 is on a – a true double round robin. So there's no looking at who has the more favorable schedule. Everybody plays everybody home and away. So you get a pretty honest result by the time you get to the end of the season. Uh, you know, like I said, November and December, Iowa State's going to be figuring it out what it is. By January, they better have it figured out. Uh, I call Iowa State a bubble team, you, you know, probably a, a pretty healthy bubble team, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten seed, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, but again, so many question marks. Delard and Tally come back <laughs> and bathe themselves. The Solomon Young come back from an injury, and, and how quickly do the freshmen develop? So uh, they should be there in the conversation, but uh, you know, I think it could still go either way. A couple of switching gears, a couple of football questions for you, Paul, before we let you go. Just first of all, obviously, uh, you know that Iowa State typically has not been a uh, a football a team that cares about football into November, but but Matt Campbell has kind of changed that, and he's been talked about as a, a very hot name with all of these Power 5 jobs that are coming open. He was last year, too. Do you, what do you think the chances are that, that he's still coaching uh, Iowa State next season? Well, I think to Iowa State's credit, it has, it has shortened the list of other jobs that are better, uh, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that the, the jobs, if, if you're an Iowa State fan, the – you should be concerned about anything, uh, what I'm saying, anything in Ohio or Ohio adjacent. Uh, I think okay. that, that calling home uh, could certainly be a factor. And it has to be a move up, too. Uh, he's not going to take the Cincinnati job, but he might take the Cincinnati Bengals job uh, or the Cleveland Browns, who are going to be looking for a coach. Uh, Ohio State, you know, maybe when that comes up. Or, or some of the other you know, elite programs in that part of the country, a Notre Dame or a Michigan or, or something like that. I, I don't see him. I think he's very comfortable uh, in, in Iowa State. Uh, he's from the Cleveland area. That's still the Midwest. He's a Midwest guy, comfortable at Iowa State, comfortable in Ames, uh, just, just likes the overall feel for it. Uh, but you know, he's he's been pretty upwardly mobile in his career, so I think it'd be a little bit naive to say, "Wow, he's you know he's falling in love with Iowa State names and he's going to be there forever." I do think Iowa State will be under some uh, will be under the gun again at the end of this year to proactively reward him, assuming that he finishes the season fairly successfully. So I think that's going to be a key, you know, proactively reward him and his staff and really reduce the number of opportunities that he might look at and might be interested in taking. Well, like you said, I mean, fortunately, there are no jobs in, in Ohio that might come open anytime soon. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know. not at all, right? Yeah, but, uh, it, you know, I mean, Iowa State just kind of looked at their schedule. They're, they're sitting 5-4, and four and, I, I mean, got some – or 4-4 four and four maybe. They got some winnable games coming up, though. I mean, Baylor is – 
is down. They're they're at Texas, which is a tough one. Incarnate Word and a makeup <laughs> game to in the season. I mean, this ought to be an eight win football team, right? Well, I think so. I think so. Yeah, actually, they're sitting at five and three right now. Five and three. Uh, I can't count that. Uh, <laughs> that Incarnate Word game is is a contingent game. Uh, Incarnate Word, believe it or not, has a chance to make the FCS playoffs. And hmm. Iowa State has a chance to make the Big Twelve championship game, so it's possible that game wouldn't be played. Uh, you know, each of those each of the programs has an out if they need to take it. But Iowa State started the year one and three. Uh, they they got behind the eight ball a little bit, lost their first game to a lightning storm, and, and that put them behind. Made a change of quarterback. It's made a world of difference to the offense, and and they're four and zero ever since. So basically, if Iowa State can win out. And if Oklahoma wins out, then it would be Iowa State and Oklahoma uh, in the Big 12 championship game. So, you know, last year Iowa State was in a pretty good position and faltered in November. Uh, They have to avoid doing that this year. Uh, The game at Texas next weekend, uh, you know, assuming Iowa State takes care of business against Baylor and and then following that Kansas State, coming up with a win at Texas is really going to be the key to, to what Iowa State can accomplish this year. All right, well, Paul, we appreciate it, man. Friday night, 6 o'clock, Missouri and Iowa State and Hilton Coliseum, and uh, appreciate you uh, spending some time with us. Hey, my pleasure. It's fun to have Iowa State and Missouri playing again. Absolutely. It's uh, it's okay, but Iowa State's allowed. Uh, Pass the message (laughs) down to to Lawrence. You're allowed to play him if you want to. (laughs) There you go. All right, have a good one. Paul Clark, CycloneReport.com. you know, Iowa State, uh, I'm actually kind of jealous. That as much as Missouri's played up there, I've never seen a game in Hilton College. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there on, on Friday. And it should be, I mean, it should be interesting. I'm not sure I'm ready to, you know, predict Missouri to win or anything like that. Right. But, it, like, it is truly a test. You know, the, yeah. the Central Arkansas game, I know people like to overreact and draw conclusions based off that. But at no point did Missouri ever really have to make a play or anything like that. So this should be a much truer test of, of you know, what they're made of. Yeah, this is a measuring stick, and like Hanzo Martin said, just avoid what you did at Utah last year. <laughs> yes. And I mean, have a chance in the second half of this game and let the chips fall where they may. I mean, it's it's always such an adjustment. Non-conference basketball season, I feel like everybody overreacts because they're so in football mode where every loss can end your season. Yeah. Like, losing this game doesn't really hurt Missouri. Just right. playing this game helps them. Right, absolutely. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, that – They've got they've they've got a lot of figuring out you know who's going to do the scoring this year. I think that's the big thing, and I, I don't expect that to be you know answered by the second game when they've got you know so many new players: Mark Smith, Torrance Watson, Javon Pickett, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see. I, I just think this game will help them just from an experience standpoint for sure. So big weekend for you guys Friday night six o'clock again. It's on, I don't know, the Cyclone Network or something. Google it. There's a message pinned on the top of our message board. I know nothing about it. I'll have some live updates. Yeah, Mitchell (laughs) will be there. So you can follow Power Mizzou for for updates on that. Then quick turnaround Saturday morning, 11 a.m. That one's on the SEC Network. So I think you can find that one on the television (laughs) quite a bit easier than the basketball game. But uh, big weekend, and I, I feel like by Monday we know a decent amount more about both these teams. Yeah, absolutely, especially basketball. So So, uh, we will be following along there, coming down the stretch run for Missouri football and um, coming down the stretch run of the podcast. So one more time before we get off here, want to remind you to make your mark on the world while the Tigers do it on the field or now on the court. Switch your underwear to Mark Skid, the new eco-friendly underwear company started by one of you guys, a Mizzou fan. 
with made with luxurious luxurious organic pima cotton and one upcycled water bottle in each waistband four dollars will be donated on your behalf to a four-star charity of your choice when you go to markskid.com and buy a new pair of underwear one pair can provide safe drinking water for up to seven years for one person feed a child in the developing world for 12 days or vaccinate two children so make your mark on the world this season at markskid.com, M-A-R-C-S-K-I-D.com. Use the checkout code POWERMAZU for 15% off your first order, free U.S. shipping. I want to thank, again, Chris Lee, VandySports.com, Paul Clark, CycloneReport.com. Follow Mitchell up in Ames. Follow me Saturday in Columbia, and we'll talk to you next Thursday on the PowerMazoo.com podcast.